Welcome, everybody, to another great podcast from the Crystal River Church of God. Whether you're on your way to work, on your lunch break, or even taking a jog, our prayer for you is that this helps you to find focus for living. We truly hope you enjoy this message live from CRCOG. Go with me to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 18. Verse 33, I began a message last week. Thank you, musicians. I began a message last week entitled, Stay "Stay, uh, in Your Place. I almost put it, stay in your lane, but stay in your place. Stay in your place. And I gave you point one. I'm just going to reiterate very quickly because of the fact that um, I know that time is of the essence. And... uh, I'm happy to tell you that I got a new app for my phone that gives me the time in big letters. What does that mean? Absolutely nothing. Because I have a privacy screen on it. I can't see it from this angle. I might as well put that up. Somebody bought us a big clock. Here, Pastor, you want this in the back? No, I don't. Amen. So stay in your place, and we pick it up in 2 Samuel. Now, 1 Samuel 18 and 19, 1 Samuel 18 and 19, you have a David who's beating up Goliath, whose man who is there singing songs about him, and he's on the up and up. He's, he's climbing up. No, he's on the east side, man. He's climbing up. He's just doing his stuff. But then, come a chapter later, his son has tried to bring a coup against him, And he's had to fight, think about this, he's had to war against his own son. And his son was killed in battle. And they bring him, they bring him, I'm going to get into this in a moment. They bring news to David that his son was killed and instead of David rejoicing, he was like a normal father. He cried. He said, oh my son, my Absalom, my son. And in verse 33 is where we pick it up. The Bible says in the, new, in the New International Version that the king was shaken. I like that. The king was shaken. Here was a man, a book before, steady Eddie. But now he is shaken. There are some of you who before COVID, you were steady Eddie. But now stuff has happened. We've been through this thing, what, five months now. We, yeah, five months. And now, after five months, you're starting to be shaken. After five months, you, you're starting to see that this thing ain't going away. Some of you didn't even think it was real, but it's not going away. And you got to deal with it. You're dealing with it. And here's what happens. The Bible says, and so the king was shaken. He went up to his room, or to the room over the gateway, and wept. As he went, he said, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son. If only I had died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. Then we pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse 1. Joab, which was the general for David, was told that the king's weeping and mourning over Absalom. And the whole army, the victory that day was turned into mourning because of that day the troops heard it said, the king is grieving for his son. So in a day that should have been victory, we realize that they had mourning. That's the opposite of what God does. God turns your mourning into dancing. Amen? And so they go forward, and we talked about last week 
Point number one was simply this. Follow with me if you would, Alex. Um, God wants to turn your day of mourning into a day of victory. If I look down at my notes, I'm probably going to preach. So just give me my next slide, Alex. <clears throat> David has lost so much. And boy, so, somebody needs to hear this part, though. David has lost so much in the course of battle that he cannot celebrate the victory. There are so many of you, you're just glad to be out of the battle. You just barely made it through, and now you can't even celebrate the victory. Well, the devil is trying to steal your day of victory. The devil is trying to steal your day of demarcation. That this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice in him. And so, so, but that's what happened to David, that he was so, he was so uh, uh, caught off guard. His focus is so narrow. I think it's my next one. Give me my next one. His focus is so narrowed to what he lost that he's almost about to lose what he has left. Because Joab comes in and goes, let me tell you something, bud. He said, if you don't get out there and encourage your men, by nightfall, all of them are going to be gone. And some of you are still pining over what you lost and not giving God praise over what you got left. Because what you have left is what God's going to use to bring victory, complete victory in your life. So we got to understand that. He cannot get over what's gone and is about to step over what he's missing. Give him my next one. So Joab went in and gave him the gift of confrontation. The gift of confrontation. And what does that mean, Pastor? Sometimes you don't need to be comforted. Sometimes you need to be slapped. I know some of y'all are like, ooh, give me that job, Jesus. No, no, God didn't call you to do that. But some of you just need to be slapped out of, out of that situation, right? The gift of confrontation. Joab went in and goes, what is wrong with you? I, I, I've, I've had the opportunity to give the gift of confrontation a couple of times. And, and, and it's not fun. Because what you want to do is comfort, but that's not what they need. When my brother was driving drunk and, and, and he, he's paralyzed from, the leg, from his waist down and, and he wanted to blame God. I, I, no, 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 I'm not going to let you do that, bro. So I gave him the gift of confrontation. When my cousin lost her child and wanted to die and kill herself, but she had three other children, I gave her the gift of confrontation. Now, when you give the gift of confrontation, you ain't got to be mean. But, that, but, but Joab, he wasn't mean, but man, he was ticked. I have bled. These men have bled, left their families. Some of them have died. And now, now you're not even going to, to give them the, the dignity of enjoying this victory? He said, no. So he gave him the gift of confrontation. What's the next one? Is, is the, is the uh, did I put on the U version? It's still on from last week, either one. All right, we'll go to my next one, Alex. The king got up, the Bible said, and took his seat or his place in the gateway. Now, I want you to notice, when he was crying and pining, he was over the gateway. He went up to the room over the gate. That's not where he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be at the gate, welcoming his troops and giving them some encouragement. And so the king got up and took his seat. And sometimes you got to find your place back to the place you were at. Because the devil and 
life has a way of moving you off center. And let me tell you, this is something that I've learned in, in, in riding my motorcycle. And that is, when you're going through a curve, you can't look exactly where you are. you got to look at where you're going. Because if you look at where you are, you'll veer off. But you got to look through the curve. you got to look almost past the curve. Some of us have got to look past what you're presently going through. Because where you are is not where you will always be. And you've got to get that in your spirit that I'm not going to waste what I've lost and I'm not going to waste what I have left. God is going to use what I lost to get me to the next level in my life. So the next one. There is an unexplainable connection between character and confidence. Some of you are confident because of the way that you look or where you work, but there is a definite connection between between character and confidence. Character is who you are when nobody's looking. It is who you are when nobody's looking. All right. What's my next one? It's impossible to stain your confidence with a faulty character. You can't. Who are you? You need to work on who you are instead of what you do. Give me the next one. All right, point number two. Here's where, I, here's where I left off last week. God wants to give you grace in the place of shame. God wants to give you grace in the place of shame. It's never your dysfunction that stops God from using you. Would you just look at your neighbor and smile and tell them, trust me, you have some dysfunctions. It's just truth. That's not being ugly. But everybody in here has some dysfunctions. And when you got married, you found out your spouse's dysfunction pretty quick. Right? But you got over them. Listen to me, church. It is how you choose to deal with your dysfunction that causes God to use you or not. Now, if you try to hide and say you don't have one, then God can't use that. But when you know who you are and what you are, then God is allowed to flow through you because God, because you recognize all I am is a gutter for the Holy Spirit to flow through. It is not me or what I've done. I'm not holier than thou. I am just a sinner being saved by grace of God. When David, listen to this now, when David fought Goliath, he fought Goliath from a distance. Because he knew that if he got close to Goliath, Goliath would tear him to shreds because he was bigger than David. This was something strategic that David fought. Because he knew that Goliath would have killed him because Goliath is skilled in hand-to-hand combat. The Bible said that Goliath was a veteran of war. So he was skilled in this. But something happened to David. This was the way that he fought Goliath was from a distance. And it was the way that he tried to live his life. And in certain situations, it worked for him. 
Until it came to the point, you may remember this story. Remember the story when the Bible says that at the time when kings went to war, David was at home. See, sometimes being distant helps, but when David should have been at war, he wasn't. So I want you to hear this point closely. I think it's my next one, Alex, is that this. It wasn't where he was. It was where he wasn't that got him in trouble. When you should have been at church. When you should have been at focus group. Pastor, I don't have no strength because you're only eating once a week. Let me move on. It wasn't what he did. It was what he didn't do that brought him to a place. Now, God, I, want, I hope I can. I, I wrote it down because it's kind of a tongue twister. He was at a place that gave him enough freedom to entertain thoughts that he wouldn't have thought. Mm. Remember when you wouldn't have thought about doing something like that, but now that you feel like you've arrived. Whew. Come on, somebody. Now, you, when you, you feel like you, you have arrived, and you, you almost have a, I, I am entitled, entitlement. But if he would have been doing what he should have done, he wouldn't have been tempted to do what he did. And some of you are like, well, what did he do? He went out on the back porch and saw Bathsheba bathing naked. Now, let me just help most of you. Every man in here say, well, I'd have ran back inside after you looked about three times. Can you believe that harlot? Is over there bathing naked? Wow. That filthy thing. She'll look fine too. <laughs> Come on. I'm trying to help you. Pastor, I judge. You go to some go to another church and let the preacher lie to you. I'm just trying to be real. I don't care what they look like. Like a naked woman. Walk through here, I'm going to look. What? Don't try it. Scared it? Scared it? All right. So he ended up sleeping with the lady who was bathing, named Bathsheba. So where he messed up wasn't necessarily his sin. Now, that was wrong, of course. But it was the way that which he compounded the sin... Because he responded to the sin in shame instead of grace. He responded to the sin in shame and tried to cover it up. Which compounded it. Now, not only is he an adulterer, now he's also a murderer. Because now, For those of you who don't read the Bible, here's what happened. He brought, he brought, uh, uh, was it Nate, Nate, Nabot? Uriah, thank you. He brought, see, I don't even read the Bible. Uriah. So he brought Uriah home and 
in hopes that he would go sleep with Bathsheba and they would make him believe that that was his baby. Dysfunctional. But Uriah was righteous. He came home and goes, there's no way I'm going to go and enjoy my wife when my men are out there fighting. So he slept by the king's door. And so the king sent word, put Uriah on the front line. And then when he died, that's when he married Bathsheba. You know what? Pastor, I can't believe that. Read your Bible. Because here's what I want you to But God, God said about David in the New Testament that he was a man after his own heart. See, what I like about David more, David could sin. Well, you, David could sin, but can't nobody out-repent David. Well, David knows how to repent. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my sin is ever before me, oh God. Lord created me a right spirit. Renew, Lord created me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. He knew how to repent. And it wasn't just words. He was truly repenting. See, you got to understand that Nathan the prophet came to David and he said, because of the way you've acted and because of the decisions you've made, God is going to forgive you, but you're going to experience some consequences. I don't know why this happened. I asked God to forgive me. I'm sorry you robbed a bank and they caught you. You're probably going to do some time. Right? There's some consequences to our sin. Now listen, please write this down. Give me my next one, Alex. You can pick your decisions, but you cannot pick your consequences. Well, that's my choice. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're right. It's your choice, but there's some consequences. And you can choose your decision and pick your decisions, but you cannot choose the consequences that are coming down in your life. You see, church, he makes a great mistake. After the aftermath of David's sin would play out through the course of his family line. I mean, think about it. His son raped his his son raped his daughter. Dysfunctional. I mean, that's some Jerry Springer stuff. Dysfunctional. He received grace, but it left residue. David refused to deal with his dysfunction with Bathsheba, and you can only escape responsibility only so long. It's just a matter of time until it shows up on your doorstep. Once you let it through the gate, now it's working its way through your family. See, some of the things you didn't deal with before you had children now was working through its way through your family. Boy, I'm, listen to me, church. Oh, God, Pastor, what am I to do? Then deal with it. Deal with your own dysfunction. There's some things that my, that my dad didn't deal with that I had to deal with. And, and, I'm try, and I'm sure that my children will deal with some things that I didn't deal with. But every giant that I'm finding, I'm trying to slay that giant so that my children don't have to fight the same giant that I fought. What are some of those giants? How about this one? Are you ready? Everybody in my family has been divorced. Fight that giant. Well, we, just, uh, we were just born on the wrong side of the tracks. Fight that giant. 
well, I, I can't ever, I, I could never go to college. Fight that giant. I could never have anything. Fight that giant. Well, I just, that poverty giant. Fight that giant. Fight it, man. Fight. Well, you know, my, my family was a drunk, and so I'm just destined to be a drunk. Fight that, 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 that devil. Fight that giant. Well, my, my mama was strung out, and I guess I'm just destined to be strung. Fight! Well, my, my family, we were just nominal Christians, but we never did anything. Fight! Fight that giant. Because David will not stand in his place and make a decision on how to deal with it, so now it works its way through the family. He makes the greatest mistake. The greatest trouble in David's life came. Give me my next one. I think it is. The greatest trouble in David's life came when he became passive. Or you might say disengaged. Some of your biggest troubles are going to come because you wasn't passionate about the right things. Mm. Instagram. Facebook. Twitter. Um, what's that other one? Snapchat. All of that has to do with it's how we measure engagement. How many people are liking our picture? How many people is commenting? It's all about that's how we measure engagement. How many people are commenting and liking and looking and sharing? I don't think that there's ever been a time in this world where we've been more engaged on the surface but disengaged in our souls. We're engaged on the surface. We're always worried about what everybody else is doing. And do you know they're not giving you their first wake up in the morning picture? Many of us I, listen, I, I'm, I ain't going to call her name because she might watch it. But it's a child I've known since she was a baby. And I saw a picture on Instagram. I went, dang, that girl is beautiful. And then I saw an unfiltered picture, and I went, dang, that girl is lying. Because it looks nothing like her. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it was brushed, and it was, I was like, a, it looked like a model. I go, no, now she looked like a target. Let me just leave that alone before I get into trouble. But we've got all of these fake connections and fake friendships and fake relationships and stuff that won't do you any good when the devil fights you in your life. And now the battle has arrived at your doorstep and because David would not deal with it at the gate, now it's at your house. He would not deal with it and his dysfunction when it showed up and because David will not stand in his place, he will not stay in his lane, now it has gained power over him. And Absalom has tried to overturn his own father as king. And the Bible says that he was a really good-looking man, kind of like Papa. He was a good-looking man. And here's what Absalom would do, would stand in the gate. And everybody that would come in, he would say, hey, how are you? God bless you. 
you know, my dad don't really have time for you. But boy, if I was king, I'd make time for you. I, I, I know that dad, dad wasn't able to do it. But boy, if I was there, if, if I would hear your matter if I was king. But, you know, I'm not. And four years of that, he won the hearts of the people, the Bible said. Point number three is this. Be very careful who you let stand at your gate. Be very careful who you let stand at your gate. Because not everybody who stands at your gate is in your corner. Not everybody who stands at your gate has your best interests. Listen to the Friend of God series that I've been doing on Wednesday nights. You've got to be really careful who you let represent you. And over the course of time, the Bible says that the hearts of the people were for Absalom. And it ended in a bloody result in the woods of Ephraim. Absalom. And then the Bible said he had a head of hair that weighed like two or three pounds. So I'm just thinking he had a big old fro. Right? He's just big bushy. How do I know that? Because the Bible said when he was trying to get away that, the, that the, a tree caught him by the hair. And the donkey rolled off from under him. And he was left hanging from his hair in the tree. Now, his hair is what made him so good looking. No disrespect for those of us who are struggling to keep our hair. But that's what made him so good looking, apparently. His hair was caught in the tree, snatching him right off the horse. Why? Hear this. Because the thing, I think, do I have this, Alex? The thing that makes you great outwardly also can make you vulnerable inwardly. The people who always need you to tell them how good they are. Doesn't it get, doesn't it get old if you got to tell people all the time, yeah, yeah, you did good, you did good. Yeah, no, 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 no. You're not, yes, yes, yes. Quit. I mean, I, I, everybody wants words of affirmation. But how many know what I'm talking about? Someone just always got to have your, your words of affirmation. He gets caught up in the thing that made him so attractive. He's hanging in the tree. So Joab decides to end his life. And they send the news to King David. And the Bible said it shook him. He's shaking like any father would have been shaking. He lost a son. But perhaps more deeply because David feels responsible. Think about this. Because I didn't teach him what I needed to teach him when I was at home. When I was at home, I wasn't. It is when you find yourself in the state of shame, fear, trauma, devastation, exhaustion. When sometimes, here comes this word again, that you disengage and walk away from what God gave you. Can I be vulnerable? I've struggled through this. Through COVID. I've had to be so engaged that I've become weary and tired. And if I didn't pray about it and keep in my place, then I, I just wanted to walk away sometimes. And I just need some time away. And everybody needs time away, and that's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes in the time when you need to be present, you're wanting just to disengage. 
that's when you need the intestinal fortitude, the character of God to say, I'm going to see this out and I'm going to look. In a month, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. I'm going to look there and I'm going to take some time off. But until I get there, I'm going to stay engaged and I'm going to stay because people's lives hang in the balance. Let me tell you this. What you are passive about, your children will be more passive about. If you're passionate about hunting, then your children many times will be passionate about it, fishing, whatever. But how many of you are passionate about God? And not, not to the point where you drive your children away. But you, my, I'm happy to say that both of my kids are engaged in ministry. My, my daughter and her, her husband and their son was here yesterday, but she had to leave because she was scheduled to sing today over there. And I, I wanted to go, no, don't go there and sing. Come to church with me, your father. And she said, Dad, you taught us to fulfill our commitments. I said, then don't commit anymore over there so you can come up here and stay with me. Right? Some people go, well, Pastor, you're just lucky. Oh, it's amazing how lucky I am the harder I work. Did you hear that? See, I don't want my kids. Listen, I, I, my kids never woke up and go, yeah, there it is. Sometimes the temptation is not to exactly run away, but it's just to disengage. Just disengage. My children have never woke up on Sunday morning and asked, are we going to church? Well, pastor, you've been the pastor. You're right, I have. But we still, we go to church. That's, they don't walk up, do I have to go to church? Like, that's, that's, that's not an option. It's not a question. Matter of fact, I have made it. I'm the pastor. I don't get to sit with my family. I don't get to do all of that thing like you do with yours. But my family, my children love church. Why? They love God. Why? Because they've never seen dad passive about God. I can be passive about sports. And maybe you're not. They've never seen me be passive about God. Why? Because sports can fade away. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter who wins. It ain't going to affect my life. It ain't going to affect my children's life. But my relationship with God is going to affect my life and their life. Am I talking to anybody? See, <clears throat> It's when you find yourself there because you don't know how to manage it. It is the danger to disengage and it's the danger of showing up in body but not in mind. I've learned that there's a big difference between coming to church and being in church. Did you hear that? I want to make sure you heard that. It's a big difference in coming to church and being in church. It's 940. I've got to hurry. I've learned that there's a big difference between Coming home and being home. The different, there's a big difference in having a child and being a dad. And the temptation is not to exactly run away but to disengage. And, and I'm disengaged not because I don't care but because I'm afraid. <laughs> Did you hear that part? I don't know if I have what it takes. So you become disengaged. And you begin to go through the motions. I don't know if I have what it takes. That's what the devil's trying to get you to do. David was shaken. The death of Absalom represents his own failure. It, if, if only I 
had died instead of you. It's my fault is what David was saying. It's my fault that you're dead. He's, and it's caught up with him. And, and now he's shaken. He's disengaged. And he's defeated. And he won a victory. But he's not acting like it. He went up to the top of the gate and cried. Not where he was supposed to be. David was shaken. He's lost his sense of passion. Because he's moved from his position. My God, somebody hear that. Do I have that, Alex? What's my next one? Yeah, there it is. He lost his sense of passion because he's moved from his position. Now listen to me closely. Your position has the ability to inflame your passion. But you cannot let just your position be the only influence of your passion. There are too many pulpits today that will be filled with people that are in a position without passion. That they're preaching, my God help me, for a paycheck. That their passion is not there even though they still have the position. And what happened? Something along the lines happened. I know a pastor right now, I won't call his names. He's a little, he's quite a bit older than me. He's almost retirement age. And he made this statement. He said, I've decided that people don't change. So I'm just going to preach a little sermon every week until I retire. And I went, wow. But I understand what he's going through. I understand when you've poured into people and they didn't make it, they turned their back on you, they give up on God. Some of you know what I'm talking about. He's done it to you when they've given up. And you're like, oh God, what happened to their passion? They're still in position, but there's not passion there. I've asked God, God, if I ever lose my passion, move me from my position. Because I don't want to be in the position of pastor without the passion for the pastorate. I don't want to be in a position of influence without passion to influence people. He lost his sense of passion because he was moved from his position. Jerusalem, the capital of that day, Absalom is there and David's going to drive them out. But not yet. Oh, I can't hit all that. I can't hit all that. Let me go somewhere else. All right, so the Bible says, that does not say that, that David took his seat at the gate. It says he went, took his seat in the, in, in the gate. So he was in isolation above the gate. But now he's come out to the, where he belongs. Like a lot of us, we live our lives watching events unfold, but not taking responsibility for the outcome. The action happened between the gates, not outside, the inside the gate. After all the mistakes, after everything was done, he took his place in the gate, even with his heart broken. Somebody needs to tell God, God, I'm I'm tired, but I'm back. God, my heart is broken, but I'm back. You didn't answer the prayer I wanted you to answer the way I wanted you to answer it but I'm back. Musicians come. 
not certain about the future. But I don't know, and I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm going to do from here. But I'm back. My God, somebody hear me. I'm back. Here I am, God. I'm not giving up my place. You called me to be passionate. Rekindle the passion in my life. I'm going to stay in my place. Am I talking to anybody? I wish some of you would just decide. I'm back. I'm coming back. I'm not going to let this COVID thing. I'm, I'm sick of being sick and tired. I'm back. I'm tired of looking at the negative. I'm, I'm going to turn off CNN and Fox News. I'm going to turn it off. I'm going to get into the Word of God. I'm going to quit looking at Facebook and put my face in the book. I want you to get a picture in your mind today of hundreds of people that you have the ability to talk to. Those of you that are sitting in your home, maybe you're even at your work. I want you to get up from your failure. One of the hardest things to do is get up from failure. I love Sadie Robertson, which is, you know, the, the, the Duck Dynasty daughter. She said this the other day as, as I was watching an interview. She goes, when you fall in public. Here's what her dad says, oh, oh, Grandpa Robertson. He says, when you fall in public, you get up twice as fast. Come on. Isn't that the truth? If people are watching you, you fall, you might even hurt something, you back up. When you're by yourself, you fall, you're like, oh, dog, that hurt. Woo, Jesus. Let me just lie here for a moment. But not when you're in public. The best thing you can do from a disengaged relationship with God is get up. Start remembering what you got left. I surrender. Hallelujah. I surrender. You need to let condemnation know I'm back. Here I am, I'm back. And when the enemy comes with you with accusations and excuses, tell the devil, this seat is taken, I'm back. I'm in my place. Hear me, somebody. There's no room for you to run my life because I'm seated in the heavenly places with Christ. I'm back in my position. I'm back in my purpose. Get to the gate. You cannot change what you tolerate. Did you hear that? You cannot change what you tolerate. I'm back. I'm broken. I'm better because I was broken. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm better because I'm broken. Because I've been broken, man, I know how to deal with broken people. Woo! I know how to understand broken people. I know how to not judge broken people because I know what it is to be broken. The place of power is when you take your seat. Listen, David got up, took his seat in the gate. He wasn't healed yet, but he's here. I'm not healed yet, but I'm here. This is the place of responsibility. This is the place of owning your story. This 
is the place of dealing with your dysfunctions, not from a distance, but up close. Here I am, God. Let's deal with it. Let's deal with it. This is the place of power. We try to fight the enemy in the wrong places. Isaiah 28, 6 says, He will give a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment and will and, and God will be a source of strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. You've been suffering because you've been fighting on the run. Come on, come on, singers. I know y'all trying to be good. Let, let me just tell y'all this so, so y'all don't think. Where they been? They've been sitting out there. That's where most of them sit. But they'll stay in service for the 11 o'clock. They, I'm not good enough for, them to, for me to preach twice to hear them. Just to a couple of them. Y'all need it like four or five times probably, but anyway. But you need to declare, I'm not going to negotiate with the devil no more. I'm here. I'm going to engage. I'm not going to be disengaged any longer. I'm going to be, I'm going to engage God. You may be embarrassed. You don't believe in yourself anymore. You're tired of making promises to yourself. Wow. Come on, somebody. I want our spirit life team to get ready and come. Go ahead and come. But I wonder who in here, every head bowed except for the, except for the spirit life team that's moving. Are you in this place today? And you would say, Pastor, I've moved from my place. I've moved from my place, but I'm getting up today. I'm taking my seat at my place. And I'm not going to let the devil force me out any longer. If that's you, lift up your hand. Hallelujah. Hands all over this building. Now, how many of you would be willing to say, just eyes closed, please. Pastor, I've just been disengaged, but I'm ready to take my place. Come on, lift your hand. Okay, hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, everybody in this room, would you stand to your feet? If you need prayer, Sister Bobby's here. She's like the only spirit life team we got this morning, but she's here to pray with you. But maybe you just need to Step out of your place and step into the altar of God. Whatever it is you need from God, we're going to sing this song just once or twice. I know it's, all, it's, it's almost 10 o'clock. It's 9.52. I don't know what I'm going to do with, night, with, with 12 babies to dedicate and still preach this message. I'm going to go real fast is what I'm going to do. But here's what I want you to lift up your hands to God. Come on, just tell Him I'm coming back, God. I'm coming back, God. I'm coming back in the name of Jesus. I surrender. I surrender. Thank you again for listening to this message. We pray that it has inspired you like never before. For more information about Crystal River Church of God, how to give, or even our upcoming events, 
be sure to check us out at crystalrivercog.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast, and we will see you next week here at CRCOG.